This is the Beards of Blue Ridge, episode number eight. You nailed it. I one. got it right. You nailed it. Wait, I right. thought it was the Blue Ridge. Nope, 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 nope. Practice this in my rearview mirror sitting in the car. Todd walked out. I was acting like I was on the phone. I was just reciting it yeah, over and over again to make sure I got it. Yeah. Hey, Graham, Graham almost didn't get out. He didn't know what to think when you see I showed up to work with a, a drill in my hand with a bit on the end of it. So. <laughs> I'm gonna let him take care of whatever he's doing. So I don't get roped. I don't get roped into any kind of work here. Yeah. Well, you know how it is. You see people like that, and they're like, "Hey, can you give me a hand?" So I wait until someone else gives him a hand, and then I'm like, clear. And there's clear. Graham's week. Clear. <laughs> it's true. Well, they did just like build, you know, built stuff and built a room a month built or two a whole ago. Office. Yeah, built an office. It's true. It looks good too. Does you look to, good. You pay you to come to my house and you need to paint it though. That's the other issue. It's not been. I mean, we've had a couple of days. It's been warm enough to paint it, but other stuff has fell apart. Then so. it's too cold today. Yeah, no. And yesterday, not a good a good time to paint. Yeah. Well, we have a special guest with us this morning, Mr. Teak. Teak, welcome. Thank you. Have, personal question: How did you get your name? Um. Everybody always asks me that. I, uh, so back in the 80s, my dad smoked a lot of pot. Teak wood is the wood they make yeah. incense burners out mm -hmm. of. And he looked it up, and I can't remember now, somewhere in Asia. But teak is like, uh, it's meant to be like enduring, right. like able to withstand. And uh, my full name is Teak Gregory Geiger. And he thought that was like a movie star's name. But the joke was always but on him because I have be stage fright. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because I asked because I got a boat with the teak board on yeah. the back. Mm -hmm. yeah, they, they are. They endure. You know, and a lot of people don't, they don't hardly make them that way anymore. And everybody sees them like, man, I'd love to have teak on the back of my head. Yeah. yeah that's it's awesome. A, it's an original name. Yeah, I've, that's awesome. 38, I've never met another teak. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. I haven't either. Cool. No, that's why I asked because I thought it had to be connected to... Teakwood. Yeah. What'd y'all do all weekend? Well, we got Graham out of the way. He avoided any sort of project. Avoided any type of project. It's funny, my wife would tell you the same too, because we have new like toilet paper holders and towel racks that we've been putting up, and I've gotten all of them done, but the one in our master bath and the drill and a few things have just been sitting there. She's always like, hey, can we, can we get that this weekend? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> don't overextend me. Don't overextend me. How long does that take you to have? Five minutes. Yeah. Five so. minutes. I try to prioritize by how important things yeah. are in that. You is could low, do that. That is low on saying, the list. You could literally do that in the morning while you're using the bathroom. I'm trying Look, to meditate. It's, it's, it's a meditation in the morning. This is, yeah. this is he's plotting a course. Listen, it's, ch it's chess, not checkers. That's you know? right. <laughs> like, that's, that's six moves ahead. I have a I have a list in my head of life rules, so to speak. Mm -hmm. One now is not ask Graham to help me. There you go. <laughs> if I ever need just went right note. to the top. Yeah. <laughs> Never ask Graham for help with yeah. anything physical. No. Wait, I so like Todd, I, I don't mean to interrupt you guys, but it's your when was your birthday? Oh, uh, Sunday. Yeah. How old did it turn? Forty-two. Forty-two years old. Yeah. Happy birthday! Shouldn't Happy have birthday. made it past twenty-four. Yeah. You know, it's no, one of those. Uh, wake up and you're like, holy crap! You know, I'm, I've stayed sober this long, and it's been, it's been pretty. What was really cool was I turned 42, but then my 
uh, a guy that I work with has been a close friend of mine that he actually picked his birth sobriety birthday was on my birthday, which I tell him it's the day before because I said you can't you can't have the my day too. So your <laughs> yeah, sobriety right, birthday yeah. has to be. He's like you can't tell me what my. I was like, well, I just did your sobriety <laughs> birthday. And then my wife picked up ten years sober um, yesterday. So oh wow yeah no it was a it was a cool weekend we I threw a um, surprise party for her had all her friends come over because I knew she couldn't throw one for me because I don't really have friends so it wouldn't work out <laughs> well <laughs> she would have been like who do I call I'm gonna have to pay some actors something to come over and it'd be you know but I all her girlfriends came over and it was it Marcos uh, actually did me a favor and came over so I wasn't the only guy the last yeah. time I was like a butler yeah. uh, like <laughs> can I get y'all anything please <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it, what's cool about it, man. I, uh, in all seriousness, the group of women that they have is is probably one of the strongest recovery group. I mean, I've never seen any, the education that they have, the wisdom they have, just to sit and watch them, listen to it's, it. It'll blow your mind. Like they, they're pretty awesome. I've been in this field for 16 years, and I may know a lot about how to run treatment and whatnot and get sober in treatment. Like they, I don't hold a candle to them when it comes to AA, 12-step, just the program in general. It's, it's pretty amazing. to, And they're, they're fun to hang out with. It's not a lot of... Um, it's kind of like guy talk, but it's coming from girls. It's not a lot of gossip or any of that kind of stuff. They just have fun. So. Yeah, they're hilarious. Yeah. It was a cool weekend. It's funny how God made women. And we'll probably than men. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably right. have two. Yeah. We met two movie stars. This that's right. That we'll have to. If any of them are listening, yeah. fire, fire, cryface. Yeah, fire, fire, cryface. Y'all right. know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be all over the internet. That's soon. right. Is that a? It means something's <laughs> awesome. If it's fire, fire, cryface. As far as emojis, oh, talking about go, emojis. Yeah, okay, yeah. I follow you now. First, it's a coded like, way to say something's amazing. We learned. We learned that. Yeah. Fire, fire, cry face. Yeah, write that down. So, like, it's not even if I see something that's cool, like, say somebody does a cool trick or something. Yeah. I'd be like, man, that's fire, fire, cry face. That, so, it even goes that way. You don't even have to do the emoji. And I tried to, I tried to get Marcos to show up early, mm-hmm. and I wasn't there because I left to go get the food. And to show up early and just knock on the door and say, like, his wife had kicked him out of the house and, like, he didn't know where else to go and just show up, you know? That was a, that was a lot. That was a whole lot to process. Yeah. You know, sounds like, like that group would have been like, "Yeah, come well, on then, in, we'll talk no, you through it that." Yeah. my wife by herself oh, at that yeah. point. That's how it had to be like up, they banged on the door like they were cops. They yeah. scared her. They were yeah. like, "Boom, boom, boom." <laughs> So that was that was, it was it was cool to watch man it was a cool now the challenge part was cleaning the whole house by myself and my wife kind of started Not noticing knowing. like yeah. areas where i come in after work i put all my junk and she noticed i cleaned that off which i never do i'm like no just leave it there i'm gonna get it you know i use it every day that was clean. She's like, hmm, what is he up to? Yeah. <laughs> she even said to herself that she's like, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything. He never cleans it, so I'm just gonna let him do it. See what you know. But yeah, that was my weekend. That's awesome. So eight weeks of master classes, hosting a party, celebrate a birthday. Yeah. I, I, I hiked like three miles and worked out once. That's <laughs> all I did. I, you got me there. I think I feel like uh, hanging out with my kids is. Is like all of that, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you feel at the end of it. 
Well, you sure. know, when I, I when I got sober, part of the deal was I was such a a slug in life. You know what I mean? And I I'd all I convinced myself. It, you know, you watch so many of your friends die or go to prison over this deal, and it was like I made a commitment to my best friend, Brian. You know, he, he passed away. It's like every day I wake up, I've got to do my best to pour out 110% of my energy, everything I can put into a day, try to put into it. And I don't always hit that, but that's, you know, at the end of the day, my goal every day, that waking up, impacting one person and, and leaving it all on the table, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. We actually started a married couples group Sunday night too. They're going to be That's disappointed. I just won't pick up the phone. <laughs> the, t- the difficult thing is we all live in the same neighborhood, so they'll, they'll, they'll cruise by. Yeah. yeah. The funny story before you get the way they got us, they got us going or got us in the group too was, I was outside a few weeks ago with my in-laws, and this there's a guy in my neighborhood. You know, you know people in your neighborhood just from we pass each other, yeah, we've had casual day, conversations, yeah. but we don't really like know each other. You know, he runs all the time, and we wave at each other when I'm walking the dog or running or whatever. And he pulled by the other day, going pretty quick in his truck, and all of a sudden I'm with my kids. My in-laws are actually there, getting ready on a walk. He hits the brakes and hops out and comes jogging over to him. I'm thinking, uh oh. No, my past. I'm like, I don't know what's about to go down or what. If I've if I've done something, if this yeah. guy knows me or something, and so I'm kind of like on my guard. Like, tell my kids, I'm like, hey, y'all, back up a little bit. You know? <laughs> He's like, hey, really crazy. Wife and I were praying. We're starting a married couples group. You and your wife want to be a part of it. And I'm thinking, my head, like, all right, that wasn't where I was. That's I thought it was going a completely different direction. Yeah. yeah. But, so yeah, cool. we start we started that Sunday night. So it was pretty. It was good some new community and stuff so that's very cool so i did do something you did i just didn't help anyone with anything well and we're proud of you thank you you know what i mean proud i'll take that yeah yeah where'd you go hiking at i go often to uh the carter k river loop <clears throat> it's like five minutes from my house i live up in lj oh okay so i moved up here i'll tell you guys a quick story i've been coming to north georgia three four times a year for four or five years something like that however long my my best friend john's been married because that was the first time i came up here was for his wedding and uh i fell in love with the mountains up here i think most people do right so this is where i came this is where i come to get away from tampa and all that and uh you know after everything that happened in 2020 with like the politics and the covid and and living in a, a big city just the energy of it all was, um, it was like, it was almost too much for me. And then in August, I had um, a mentor of mine um, through sobriety for uh, almost a decade, went back out, he relapsed and died. Um, Two days later, uh, a really good friend of mine um, that I've known for eight years, he's one of the first people I met in treatment, uh, relapsed and died. His wife's sister ended up in a coma off the same drugs. Um, She came out of it about three weeks later. And then um, my aunt, who, um, with my dad, there's seven of them, seven aunts and uncles all together. Um, But she was the one that was closest to me. She moved down to Florida from Ohio, where my whole family's from, and uh, moved right into our house. And it was to get away from... um, 
she was a crackhead for 13 years. So she was just trying to start her life over. And she moved in with us when, when I was in eighth grade. She died um, from cirrhosis of the liver. And that what they believe it was from was like a combination from, if I understand it correctly, it was a combination of her smoking. She had lung cancer and it moved down to her liver. Um, but she also drank alcoholically. So with all these people passing away in August and everything going on last year, I, I just kind of like, I knew I was going to retire to North Georgia, but then I figured like, we're not promised tomorrow. Right. right. So <clears throat> I had the opportunity financially to make a move. Um, and I knew, um, I kind of kicked around the idea for a few years that I was gonna come up here. Every time I would come up here, when I'd be driving back to Florida, I'm like, man, I should just stay. I should just stay. Well, finally I cemented in my head, for sure I'm coming up here. And um, after about a week of prayer and meditation over the matter, I, I knew uh, LJ was gonna be where I came. And so I came up that September for vacation and just drove around LJ and I found this place. And if anybody's ever gone up there, have you guys ever been to the Carter mm -hmm. Cay? I know there's like a vineyard up there. There's it's a it's a river up in uh, Gilmer County. Um, it's one of the most beautiful places I, I've ever been. And Graham's not in his head. He's he's he knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's just something about like you come around. So even just this river river loop trail is like three and a half miles, right? But like the first half of it is through like a wheat field and you see the mountains off in the distance in the forest before that and it's just there's just something spiritual about the land up there and they take the clients up there i would love to is it like a, a national trail or just a random trail like there's a little bunch of people go on it or there's there's um i wouldn't say a bunch you know like i've I probably the most i've ever seen is is anywhere between like eight and ten people oh okay yeah it's uh <clears throat> but yeah it's it's um national i think so it's ours you know yeah. it's it's the people's land we can go whenever we want yeah we'll have to because uh, i think we're getting ready to kick that back off with the php folks anyway and have maybe uh, whoever the staff that brings them up there maybe meet you and if you're free that day and kind of show them around show them out you know what I mean yeah absolutely cool. we've um Drew has gone with me Drew Katie oh, okay. yeah. Jason um the nurse Jason mm -hmm. Jason's wife um who else came with us oh yeah we forgot that rule you, Jason can't be mentioned during the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> nurse Jason that's yeah, actually we, a really good rule we ban his name <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like but it's beautiful. There's something, something magical about it, right? So, like, I, that's where I go a lot. It's just kind of like my go-to. Like right. it says, five minutes from my house. It's even closer than Amicola or Bear Creek or any of the other places I go. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. I, I love it. It's a big reason. Kind of like what you said, it spoke to me. Because you mentioned something about that in orientation, about living life, like trying to help somebody every day and living life to uh, your fullest potential, right? And uh, that's the whole one of the major reasons, probably 90% of why I moved up here is so I could be in those mountains as much as possible. And uh, that's what I do. That's what I do in my time. Well, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a good kickoff cool. to your God shot spiritual experience. God shot, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this because I've had so many of them uh, through the years. Uh, but the one I, I want to share, I think, is the, the first one I really had. And... Uh, 
I'll start off, um, let me preface this story by saying, like, I became, like, a devout atheist at age 16. Like, I can remember very vividly being in, uh, I, I used to get in a lot, at 16, I was kicked out of the house because I wouldn't listen to my dad, and um, if I couldn't abide by his rules, then um, you, need, you need to go figure it out for yourself, Teak. So, uh, I started getting in a lot of trouble from a very early age. And uh, I got arrested for a felony when I was 16, and they put me on probation. And the way it works down in Tampa is um, I would violate probation because I wouldn't go see my PO. And when you're a juvenile, you go to jail for 21 days in the juvenile jail, and then they release you, and you're supposed to go see your PO. So I just did this circle all the time. Like, I would go to jail for three weeks. I'd get out. I, I would abscond or whatever they call it, and then a month later, I'd be back over and over so one of those times, um, I can remember sitting in the, in the uh, classroom in uh, juvenile jail and just saying, there is no God. If there was a God, then why would I be going through this situation? You know, ha not having the ability at all to see that, like, I created this problem for myself to begin with, right? So in 2012, I believe it was 30, yeah, let's see, 2008 years ago, it was 30. So at 30 years old in 2012, I had been living in a tent for three months that I had stolen from Walmart. Uh, Walmart don't come for me. Um, living in the, in the woods behind the football field that I grew up playing football in as a kid. <clears throat> I lived like this for three months. And my routine was I had this shoulder bag. I would go to a store, whether it was Publix or Walmart or whatever, and I, I would, it could fit a box of wine in the shoulder bag and a sandwich. And so I would steal a three-liter box of wine and a sandwich every day from one of these stores, and I would drink myself into a blackout, eat this sandwich, wake up, you know, repeat cycle. And um, I came out of a blackout um, at like 5 in the morning or something like this. And for years now, keep in mind also, I've, I've been in and out of detox for years, in and out, countless times. So I come out of this blackout at like around five in the morning and I'm walking down this road and uh, I walk past this fire station and the guys are out there with their truck, they're cleaning it, getting it ready for the day and everything. And the thought hits me, <clears throat> I can go to these firemen and tell them that I'm going to hurt myself. And if I tell them that, they have to call the police. And if the police come and I tell the police that I'm a danger to myself, that I'm drinking myself to death, that I need help, they have to take me to detox. And if I go to detox this time, maybe this time I'll actually go to treatment and get some help. Very lucid thought to have coming out of a blackout. Um, so I'm standing there on the sidewalk, and there to my right and forward is my tent, you know. And... Uh, I had the thought, and then I'm like, I just, I can't do it. Maybe next time. And I went to take a step forward. <clears throat> I know this is going to sound woo-woo, but something greater than me turned me around and pushed me towards, like, it wasn't a physical push, but it was before I knew it, I was walking up on these guys. And I'm like, uh, you know, I've been living in the shrubbers for, for <laughs> yeah. three months, you know, like, uh, Lord knows what I look like. God bless them for uh, actually <laughs> listening to me. But I told them, I'm going to hurt myself. I need help. I'm going to hurt myself. And uh, they, they told me to calm down. They talked to me, and exactly what I thought um, was going to happen happened. 
uh, you, the police came, they took me to D the, they, they actually called the detox and they're like, yeah, we don't have any beds available. And I knew the lady on the other end of the phone cause I'd gone there so much. And so I said, Miss Michelle, this is Teak. She goes, Oh, Teak, baby, I got a bed for you. Come on in. <laughs> That's how well they do me. <laughs> but that, that, um, God shot was what rocketed me into this realization that, um, it was a pink cloud effect, right? Because for years, you know, 12, 13 years, I had no hope. And um, that's what I believe the, the pink cloud is, is, is hope, right? And it's, it's a double-edged sword. Because uh, even though that was like, after 13 years of saying there is no God and having my favorite argument be at a party or a bar or whatever, denouncing spirituality and all of that stuff, um, there was God when I needed him most, you know, physically pushing me into uh, this new existence. Um, but I say uh, the pink cloud is a double-edged sword um, because it, it also, I think, allowed me to be lazy in my recovery. And so I had been physically touched by a power greater than me. And you right. could have hooked me up to a lie detector test. I was never going to drink again. I went to treatment for six months, got out, and five and a half months later, I was drunk again. So, but God was never not there. You know, it's kind of like that thing where um, it was actually one of the saddest moments of my life when I look back on it because uh, once you have that connection with the higher power, with God, uh, and then you don't, yeah. like that's the emptiest I've ever felt. That's the loneliest I've ever felt. So. What do you think? What do you think happened? Because you said you're a devout atheist, yet you were at that space, you know, where you allowed something to push you towards. You know what I mean? So was it like a? Did something happen prior to that that kind of led you to start believing in God, or do you believe you always knew and believed in your your heart and soul there was a God? You were just in your head saying there wasn't. The latter. I think I was. Um, I think I was an angry child. Right. You know, when I went through the the steps, <clears throat> I learned that uh, I was attaching my heavenly father's identity to my earthly father's, and I couldn't separate the two right. for a very long time. Does that yeah, make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that that's exactly what I did for a long time too. Yeah. That's why I had a God, a punishing God, versus one that that was not that way. Yeah. You know? So it, you know, I love what you said too about hope, because I've said it before, and I get people look at me like I'm possessed of the hope's dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know, because the reality of somebody having hope yet, uh, the, when they take no action or movement towards the discomfort, they know they need to move. It, it becomes dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's what pushes people into places, dark places is you can get in a space of having hope in your head, yet you don't make any movement towards what you need to make movement towards, and hope turns into almost a despair. Mm -hmm. you know? And it, it's a dangerous thing sometimes. Got to lean into that pain, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> that's why I've learned over the years in this field, like, I just don't, um, you know, we all do this thing. Let me preface this by saying when we start out here, we'll, we, we like to say who's going to make it and who's going to not. You know, it's something we do in our heads. Uh, I've learned to just stop doing that because the people that um, seem to get it the most in treatment, you know, um, they get that hope. Right. And if they don't, 
listen to that. All right, you, you, now you have a taste of what life is really like, you know, what a spiritual life, a loving life is like. You have a taste, but go get the whole cake. Right. And if they don't go do that, we see them again. Right. No, and that's, you know, that's kind of what I, I talk to parents, too, about when we work with, with their loved ones. It's like if I go in <laughs> and I do what you're talking about and I say, you know what, this guy, he's got like a 50% chance, so I'm not going to really put my full energy into him. But now this guy over here, fully, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I asked the parents, I'm like, Dude, would you want me coming into work every day looking at your loved ones that way and saying, okay, I'm only going to give so much of my yeah, energy exactly. to this one because he's hard to deal with or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I love about the culture over there and what you, because uh, I don't know, we mentioned it, Teek has came on as a client advocate. What you guys bring to the table over there and what the clinicians do is show up for those people that m- probably all those other people in rooms that would say they're not going to make it. Mm-hmm we've got some that make it because of what you are doing over there and the way mm. you show up in that non-judgment zone of, you know, hey, we deal with the difficult. We deal with the ones that don't want to listen. We do, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it does make a difference if you can remove that out of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, what, what if our <clears throat> good way to think about it too is you talked about our Heavenly Father. What if he looked at us that way? Sure. If he was like, well, this guy, Teak, <laughs> he's not worth my time. You know what I mean? Like, He's in his tent, right, with his wine and stuff. But look at, you know, little Johnny over here who's doing everything great. Let me focus on him. And, you know, I think we're – he doesn't operate that way. And if he did – yeah, I'd be screwed. You, know I mean? <laughs> you would at this point. I'd be like, look, I've given Graham all this, and he's still unwilling to help How many us. times do I have to? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a commandment. Graham. Yeah. You know? Which is the awesome thing that he doesn't he doesn't do that, he doesn't right? Punish yeah, because I would be screwed. We all probably would, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, if he doesn't operate that way, then I think that's the example that we shouldn't operate that way, anyways. You know, or or also. Hundred um, percent. And plus, I've been so wrong on all that anyway. I've made. I used yeah. to make predictions just like everybody's talking about, and then I'd be wrong. The person I thought wasn't going to do well after treatment they're like amazing and then the person i thought was going to do you know do horrible right and it was all flipped around so i was never accurate so i've, I've just learned i don't i don't know what i'm talking about yeah from a from just a treatment of, but from just a, from a relationship standpoint too like obviously we we should treat everyone the same too but even someone more so who we don't think is going to get it who is more angry in my opinion that's someone hey we need to lean in even more yeah on that person well that's right? what we do over there yeah and, and todd uh, alluded to the culture of blue ridge um and that's a, a big part of it like all right this guy's really struggling we we need to go check in with him mm-hmm. you know we need to show him blue ridge love we've seen on the emails all the time yeah. and yeah. i've worked in a few treatment centers i've never seen that on an email well, what's crazy about it, too, is if you, yeah, I hear it, even from clinicians, they get bogged down. That's when I know they're kind of getting in a space where you need to pull them out, you know, they, when they start saying, well, they just don't want it. Mm-hmm. it I, I do not, and I tell parents all the time that I talk to, is you, if you think your loved one wants it, it's gonna, they're going to die sometimes before that, you know what before I mean? Before they want it. I didn't, I didn't want it for the first six months that I was in treatment. And I always use the saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. Mm-hmm. But 
you can lead a man to a well and make him thirsty. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we do is that even the ones that say to you, no, listen, but you don't understand when I get out of here, I'm just going to get high. We keep them there long enough and we start to make them thirsty. Mm-hmm. Even if they choose to go back out, we have got this thirst going on for a different life. Hey, okay, go back out. I guarantee you it's it's worse than what it yeah. was before you came in. Yeah. And that's what I love about the idea, getting rid of the whole language of, well, they just don't want to do this deal. I, I could care less if they want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. We still show up, and I guarantee you, uh, if you love on somebody enough, heck, kids don't want to eat freaking carrots or whatever it is half the times, and you get them to do it, and their health starts yeah. to come about them. You know? It's like having a little baby. When If you had a kid, you have any kids? Mm-mm. So you are, so for example, both of y'all, and just imagine this. If you got a kid and, and it's trying to learn to walk, at what point do you tell the kid to give up? Like it's, you're just not going to get it. You know what I mean? You keep falling down. You, just you, 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 put, hang it up, man. You're useless. Useless. You know what I mean? Just stop. Yeah. So it's the same idea you're talking about yeah. of, of there is no give up. You know what I mean? It's you constantly push, grow point out the things that they're doing different, even if it's not an extreme amount, you know, yeah. those kind of things. So, you know, it's, I've been honored to have guys like you come in uh, that's had a, a career already and all that kind of stuff and be of service and sacrifice to be able to come in and say, you know, uh, hey, I line up with the culture of what they're doing because I know I can't go over there and carry it all. It's got to be guys like you mm-hmm. and, and women that we got over there showing up day in and day out willing to be of service, you know, and it's one of the hardest jobs, you know. Yeah, but it's also the most um, rewarding or one of the most rewarding. You said something that I really related to, um, and I talk with the clients all the time over there about it. <clears throat> this this time sober, you know, my sobriety date is April 8th, 2014. Um, my first, like, five and a half months, uh, I was miserable, you know. Like, I knew um, I was alcoholic, that I was powerless over alcohol that when I drank my life became unmanageable. I knew it with every fiber of my being. What I didn't know was if I was going to try and recover or if I was going to kill myself with this disease. I was on that fence for five and a half months uh, in a treatment center and my only prayer every day, like brushing my teeth in the morning and I would say, God, if I decide to uh, kill myself today with this disease, please don't let me hurt anybody on the way out. That was my only prayer. Five and a half months. That's horrible. Well, it's actually not, because look at it this way. You actually, in that moment, it changed probably before that. You were so selfish, you didn't care who yeah, you took yeah, out. Yeah, that's what I was at thinking. At this point, you're at least thinking, yeah. you know what I mean? That's pretty awesome that well, you're at least hurt thinking, anyone else. hey, if I got to go out that way, yeah. at least let me go out and not hurt other people. You know, so your I heart agree was with softening. That. But what I, my, to my point was, if it wasn't for the people in the treatment center, the, the men that worked there, because at, at the time I went there, it was only a men's facility, and there's 150 of us. Um, if it wasn't for these guys every day that, like, loved on me a little bit, joked around with me, you know, like kept me there, you know, if it wasn't for them, then, then that I wouldn't have made that turn. I wouldn't have found the sponsor that I had today that, that showed me his path of recovery, you know, and that was where everything kind of shifted for me. And I think that that's what we do over there as well. You know, I'm not trying to plug Blue Ridge or, or talk us up because you're my CEO and you're sitting in front of me, but I genuinely believe 
with my heart that like we do something different over there right. and that's a big part of it and I'll take the plug too yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I know what I got out of this is one you know I think no matter how far away you are from God or disconnected from God or don't believe in God uh, he's just around the corner you mm-hmm. know what I mean I, I got that I also got the fact that Hey, even when you're on a pink cloud and you're you're riding high, know there are some lows that may come, you know, and you got to hang on to that hope regardless and do the action that it's going to take to experience what it's like to to unfold right before your eyes. So, uh and to follow follow, you know, cuz I love what you talked about initially of like knowing uh, you almost use the steps like you made a commitment to move up here, you know what I mean? Turn your will and life over the care of Jasper. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm making that move. I'm going to do it. Uh, and to chase something that you've dreamed about. You know, I love that uh, of being able to sacrifice comfort for a new experience. Yeah. So that's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, I got out. Well, first, thanks for sharing. And two was usually when things are going the worst and we're not on the pink cloud, if we just put in the work and look, that's usually when God's leaning in. The closest oh, yeah. to us the same way with those people in our lives who are struggling we need to lean in instead of leaning away um, so not only I got that out it's a good reminder for me right um, especially on the weekends when I need to <laughs> when you're not lean in to some people yeah when I'm kind of <laughs> I'm not clocked in right now. I need to lean out yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness yeah it's you know and it's not always going to be a pink cloud no. more times than not it's not a yeah. pink cloud you know but I agree with what Todd said is if you if you look more often than not you might realize that he's a lot closer than you than you think yeah. Um, so yeah see I love the I loved the prayer that you said because even that is like the like to me you were still asking for help I had one of my mentors said it doesn't matter how you ask for the help because all God hears is is the good stuff anyway you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. and so you were still in your own way asking for help even though it was, you know, if I if I go out there, please don't let me hurt anybody else. That was still like the beginnings of right. a surrender. So yeah. I even like that prayer, you know. 